This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Hi there, hockey fans, and welcome back to PuckCast with Statsman and AJ Rotowire's hockey podcast show. We missed our program last week because I was sidelined by illness. Meanwhile, my line mate had one of the most interesting weeks of his life, I'm sure, and we'll get into that in a second. Friends, I'm Paul Bruno, and you can follow me at Statsman22, my partner on these podcasts, as always, AJ Scholes, a great follow, and he's back today, and you can follow him at AJScholes24. AJ, you have some big news. I'm going to give you the floor, and uh, I'm going to congratulate you at the end of that. Yeah, so we uh, we <laughs> talked about it a little bit in some of our earlier shows. Uh, my wife and I welcomed our first child uh, over the weekend, uh, late uh, late afternoon on Friday, uh, Sydney Ray Scholes. Uh, so she's uh, happy, healthy at home. Uh, our listeners uh, won't be surprised that her name Sounds a little similar to something you might uh, see in a Penguins lineup. A uh, little different spelling, but uh, yeah, we're we're excited. We uh, into the first few days, so sleep is uh, a little sparse right now. But uh, we'll get there. It's it's all it's all coming up roses right now. That's for sure. I have to add my congratulations to you and Jessica. I mean, she must be a really great sport to allow you to name the kid after your favorite hockey player, too. That's really nice. (laughs) Well, I I do have to say she actually came up with it uh, before me. Uh, I was actually not uh, not a huge fan of it at first just because, you know, I think of the name Sydney and, of course, Sydney Crosby comes to mind for me. Yeah. So it was kind of associated as a as a boy's name for me, but uh, you know we changed the spelling up a little bit, and uh, I definitely got on board. So kudos kudos to her for actually coming up for that. Um, but before we kick off the rest of the show, just remind our listeners that throughout the week, if you have questions about your daily lineups, especially uh, this uh, upcoming slate, I'm sure FanDuel is going to have some two game uh, or two night slates for us for hockey. Uh, so if you have questions on how to approach that or, or questions on that, we'd be happy to help. Uh, if, you know, just he- hockey in general questions, feel free to tweet at us. We'll try and answer those uh, during throughout the week. Uh, as Paul mentioned, you can follow me at AJ Scholes 24 and you can follow Paul, the Statsman at Statsman 22. All right, AJ, we postponed the, the usual Tuesday b- podcast because we wanted to see what the matchups would be for the next next round and do a preview of the of the uh, upcoming round and uh, a summary of the round that we just saw completed. So let's begin that. 
and take a look at the series that, that did complete last week before we get into our preview rounds. So uh, uh, let's, let's talk about the first series I want to talk about is the Rangers and Senators. It was the only one that finished early, and I was surprised by out- outcome. I think you might be too when we come back to our listeners and say the Senators won that series in six games. We both had the Rangers winning this series. Uh, what, was the, what was the key to the Senators' victory, and maybe what was one, of the reason, one or two of the reasons the Rangers flopped, in your opinion, A.J.? Yeah, I, I think the biggest key is that Eric Carlson was able to uh, to kind of get back on track. He had a little bit of a slow start uh, to the playoffs coming off that foot injury, which I'm sure he's still dealing with. I doubt that's completely healed, but he's back to, to leading that team with, you know, 13 points uh, right now. And and I do think that has been a little bit of, of a crux for them, uh, that their defenseman is a leading scorer. So I definitely have concerns for their, their long-term ability um, to keep competing in the postseason, but they're getting some other guys that are stepping up. Uh, Jean Gabriel Pajot has seven goals uh, in uh, in twelve outings, including that that four goal extravaganza that he has. So they're they're getting some some guys to contribute. Um, they obviously have the great uh, storylines that are boosting them with with Craig Anderson and Net, and uh, you know Clark MacArthur coming back uh, from his concussions. So they're definitely leaning, I think, on on those a little bit. For the Rangers, I, I really think the problem is, you know, a lack of really uh, top end talent, for lack of a better way to put it. You know, it's great during the regular season to have scoring for all your lines uh, kind of spread out that way. But when you don't have that kind of elite player on your team, I think it comes back to bite you a little bit in the postseason here. You know, Henrik Lundqvist was uh, decent uh, throughout. Uh, I actually would say he probably performed uh, better on most nights than Craig Anderson, all told, but he just didn't get a lot of help, in my opinion. I mean, you got Mika Zabinajab was the leading scorer for the Rangers with yeah. nine points, so uh, there's just nobody there that really stepped up and kind of took the range for them. I agree with you, but it must be said with Eric Carlson's performance, I, I think uh, after the two rounds, I would say he's odds on. Uh, leader for the Conn Smythe Trophy discussion, 13 points, a plus eight. And to me, he's shown uh, not only the offensive side of the game, but he's really picked up the defensive side where I saw, I've seen flaws in his game as long as he's been a pro. He's been a bit of a giveaway machine in his own end uh, at times. But I mean, when you have the puck as much as he does, you're going to give it away once in a while, right? But uh, in these playoffs, he's kept that to a minimum and really been a, a dynamic force offensively. Look at the goal that he scored to wrap up the series. In fact, he was right in a, at the bottom of the faceoff circle on that rush, seeing an opportunity to make a play and driving right in because uh, he's one of the, these elite defensemen, AJ, who if he messes up in the offensive zone, he has enough skill and quickness to get back and cover up defensively. And he's shown more of that ability in these playoffs too. Uh, I know we're going to talk more about Ottawa in a few minutes, so I'd like to spend a little bit of time talking about the Rangers too, though. And this might be a team now that that might have to cut bait on some of its high-end uh, frontliners, to your point. A guy like a Rick Nash, just fails to deliver again in this postseason. When you look at the fact he only compiled five points in 12 playoff games, I expect much more from this big man. I mean, uniquely skilled, AJ, for a guy with the size and speed that he has. I expect much more from him. Uh, Hard to control is the way I would describe him when he's playing at at his best. And I think the Ottawa defense was lucky that he didn't play at the level that I was expecting of him. Michael Grabner kind of regressed to what I remembered him as a Leaf player last year he had a great regular season but only dropped uh, 
dropped to six points in 12 games. They needed more from him as well. Ryan McDonough, their top-end offensive defenseman, limited to seven points, paled in comparison to what Carlson uh, delivered. So when you say that Lundqvist was uh, the equal of of Craig Anderson, it might be the only category where the Rangers really kept pace with Ottawa. So in the end, it was really no surprise to me that this outcome came uh, the way it did. Let's go to the one that series that was nearest and dearest to your heart. I mean, you had to have your your heart in your throat when the, the pens were down early in the series. And uh, and then they came back and they took a 3-1 lead. Then, then you thought, okay, I'm comfortable now. But the Caps came roaring back then. And so it was kind of a back-and-forth thing in this set. And, and uh, really, the Penguins... I, I'm surprised that they beat the Caps. And putting your allegiance aside, I think you've got to be a little bit surprised too when you think of the, the fact that a lot of the young guys uh, on, the, on the, the Penguins delivered and that nondescript defense really held off the Washington uh, offense. Yeah, absolutely, Paul. When, it, when uh, the Caps got game, game six, I, I kind of thought we were, we were dead in the water there. Um, you know, going back into Washington, trying to win a game seven, definitely not easy. Um, they've really relied heavily on Marc-Andre Fleury. Uh, he's faced an, an astronomical 423 shots, uh, but he's come up strong for them with a, a .927 save percentage. So he's, he's really kind of been the key for them. He's made huge saves at the, at the right time. Uh, and so I, I did kind of expect this to go Washington's way finally when it headed, headed back. Uh, surprisingly, I'm sure our listeners are aware five of the seven games were won by the road team in this series, which is another kind of interesting, uh, you know, sidebar for this. It, it's clearly home ice had no impact on this series yeah. at all. Um, and yeah, you mentioned kind of the young, the young guns. You look at, uh, you know, you're get they are getting production from kind of their top talent. Evgeny Malkin's got 18 points. Crosby's got 14. Phil Kessel's got 13. We got Jake Gensel right in there with 14 right. himself. Uh, that's something that the Penguins saw last year with guys like Connor Sheary. I did find the move interesting last night that Carl Hagelin was a healthy scratch right. from the lineup in favor of uh, Scott Wilson. Kind of a significant change there. Uh, they're very different style of play. Uh, and Gensel actually has uh, set a franchise record last night with most points uh, by a rookie in the postseason for the for the Penguins, and he's got at least four more games uh, to add some more, if if not, a f- hopefully at least eight more, in my opinion. But <laughs> uh, for sure, four more, so he can add to that total. So um, I I think the other surprising thing is the the complete. Um, you know, on the flip side, we'll talk about Pittsburgh more. Uh, the Capitals. Hopey was was good, although he had, you know, kind of these weird fluky goals that it felt like he gave up from time to time that you feel like he normally could have saved. And really, Alexander Ovechkin was kind of a non-factor in this series. Uh, He just kind of disappeared. They tried shuffling him down the lines. I think Barry Trotz said a lot post game by not really saying anything about it. Uh, It'll be interesting to see what they do. I I saw, um, you know, Barry Melrose calling on the Capitals to trade Ovechkin. That seems like kind of a drastic move. I'm not sure yeah. they could get any buyers because obviously they're going to want a huge price for arguably uh, one of the, you know, the second best player in the league. If, you know, some obviously would disagree, call him the best player in the league. So it'll be interesting to see what they do. Um, but I, I do feel like this was more the Capitals losing this series at the end than the Penguins winning it. Yeah. I think it's a key point that you raise, uh, uh, 
uh, going, going forward, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with Washington. I, I think that they've gone with this band of, of guys for, for a long time, the core group, uh, uh, Nicholas Backstrom, uh, Alex Ovechkin, to your point. Uh, uh, Backstrom, for his part, delivered the goods, but Ovechkin, really, this was uh, maybe the last chance that they're going to give him to be a, the centerpiece of this offense. Uh, they need to build something else. Uh, it's not working with him. He's he's more of a finish, finisher than than a uh, playmaker. And and maybe the the best comparison that I can make, and it's ironic because of the history between these two guys, is Phil Kessel. Phil Kessel is a guy who's just a pure scorer. You want to set him up, and he'll close the deal. That's what Ovechkin has been done doing throughout his career. He was not able to do it as much as he needed to. And I'm wondering now if Phil sends him a note saying, how, how about if I take a picture of you now, pal, after the way <laughs> he tried to embarrass Phil at the All-Star game a couple of years ago. I, that stuck in my throat for a couple of years, AJ, to be honest with you. And now Ovechkin's on the other end of it saying, this guy's beaten me again, and maybe it's time to show a little bit more respect. And, and that's an element that, that kind of has been missing from, from Ovechkin's persona off the ice that I'd like to see uh, more of. Uh, and, and maybe that's why a lot of people don't like him in these parts uh, that, I, that I talk to. Uh, Ovechkin seems to be a bit of a prima donna. And the same, same, same can be said for Kuznetsov. He was getting ripped in the Leaf series for the way he celebrated his goals with this uh, flying wings and so, so on that he did. A lot of histrionics you know, and Don Cherry really lit into him a little bit. So I think there's been a little bit too much showmanship around some of the Caps players and, and not the grit that the, the Penguins showed. And, and really, uh, a guy like a Kevin Shattenkirk had a terrible playoff uh, when I look at it too, uh, AJ. This is a guy who figures to be one of the more sought-after defensemen in the offseason. He's cost himself millions of dollars the way he performed. Yep. And, and so that's really another thing that's worth uh, pointing out. The Caps were a great regular season team on home ice. They surrendered uh, losses to, to uh, not only the Pens, but the Leafs even in these playoffs. So uh, a little bit of the luster has come off this team, and really it will be very interesting to see what happens in the offseason because they've got players that might fly the coop in free agency, and they should have a very different look regardless because the core just seems to not have, not have worked, and to, to fall down against a, a Penguins team that was ripe for the picking, they'll never get a better opportunity to get to the Final Four than this. So really a lost opportunity for the Caps, and the Pens took full advantage of it. That's the bottom line for me. The, we go over to the Western Conference. We see that the St. Louis Blues fell, fell prey to the Nashville Predators. We saw the Predators winning this series. Both of us had them. Uh, I nailed it on the, on the six games. You had them in seven. And uh, why, why is it that this came, came to fruition, in your opinion? Well, the, the kind of leading uh, thing that I'll, I'll point out is uh, Vladimir Tarasenko, just six points in the, in the postseason. Uh, really, you know, he is their their best player. Uh, you know, you could make an argument for, you know, James Schwartz, Alexander Steen, but Tarasenko is kind of, he's their Alexander Ovechkin to, yeah. to kind of, uh, you know, make a comparison there. He really didn't do much in the postseason. Um, I do like what they got out of Vladimir Sabotka. I think he added a, a nice element for him, but this uh, this Nashville team is just too good right now. And I, I do think it has more to do uh, with that. I think if you had had St. Louis paired up against maybe Anaheim or uh, the Edmonton, they might have made it through to the next round. Um, but Nashville is just playing too good. They're, they're getting production from their forwards. They're getting production from their defensemen. Uh, their goaltending has been phenomenal. Pekka Rene yeah. has really, really turned it on. So I, I don't blame this one on, on the Blues uh, at all. You know, there's certainly things that they'll look to to fix. Uh, you know, 
their their top D man Joel Edmondson had just six points as well. So uh, they probably want some more blue line scoring. They'll want to figure out a way to get Tarasenko uh, some more involved. You know, next year Jake Allen was solid and, and good for them. So no concerns at, in in goal. Um, but I, they just ran into a buzzsaw that is uh, the Predators right now. They're still undefeated at home uh, during the postseason. Uh, the the Music City is rocking for these guys. That's going to be a tough, tough place uh, for the Ducks to go into uh, and is probably going to shape that series, in my opinion. Yeah, no question. In terms of the St. Louis Blues, the players that they can point to that really didn't deliver the goods for one reason or another, they had Paul Stastny was quite banged up at the beginning of these playoffs. He only played seven postseason games out of the 11, factoring in to only three scoring plays with three points in those seven games. So really, when your first line center can't deliver the goods, that puts you behind the eight ball. And then you talked about the scoring from the blue line. Joel Edmondson wouldn't have been on anybody's list to be their leading defenseman in terms of productivity with six points. The guy that let them down was Alex Pietrangelo, in my opinion, with a four point effort in 11 games and a minus three record to show for that despite the fact he was on the ice for almost half of every game uh, 28 minutes of ice time averaging so there were a few points that uh, you can highlight on the st louis side that kind of let them down they did get serviceable efforts from the likes of alex steen and, and really vladimir sabatka was a real shot in the arm for these guys uh came came back into the lineup and back into the league for, for the playoffs and it looks to be something they can add to the forward mix next year but they've got to find a way to bolster that blue line I think going into next season uh, kind of like the Toronto Maple Leafs we talked about in the previous round defense seems to be the issue back in St. Louis where they've got a lot of depth offensively but uh, health really got in the way of a couple of players as I mentioned with Stastny's situation being one of them Laterra another one so uh, and on the Nashville side what can we say uh, I hearken back to when we started this season and we did previews on the divisions and we both thought Nashville was almost the cream of the crop in their in their central division well it turns out that they were it just took them a little while longer to prove that <laughs> point and AJ it's all about the defense in the in terms of the Music City miracle uh, on ice uh, Ryan Ellis uh, leading them offensively with nine points but Yossi and Subban with eight and seven respectively and not only that they log a ton of minutes and on the defensive side of the puck they really bolstered that team and, and carried the way the day they also have a number one center in Ryan Johansson that is the envy of most teams in the league. This is a big, rangy guy with lots of skill and just a prototype that you want in the middle of the ice. But they have a really flashy guy in Philip Forsberg too. So they're high-end players delivered, and that's why they are where they are. Uh, one guy to look forward to in the next round, I think, is uh, James Neal, a guy that you're familiar with uh, being a Pens fan. This guy only had four points in the first ten games. I look for much more for him from him and going forward you mentioned in goal Pecorini was lights out maybe the best goalie that we've seen in these playoffs so far uh, with a 1.37 goals against average looks like a soccer stat line to me <laughs> uh, AJ so uh, that was really key to to their success in that series and finally the series that, that wound up late last night the Ducks prevailed over the Oilers. The Ducks snapping a string of four straight losses on home ice in Game 7s in recent years. So really, a big-time monkey off their back in a narrow 2-1 escape over the Oilers. This was a coin flip series, and we were on either side of it. You had the Oilers in 7, I had the Ducks in 7, but it was a hair's breadth that separated these teams all season long and through the playoffs, and uh, the Ducks prevailed. Yeah, I mean, Oilers fans, you got nothing to, to really... Uh, be worried about here you're going to be right back in the mix next year uh you know they've gotten uh some some solid uh production out of out of dry sidle uh, mark letestu kicked in for 11 points too I, I guess kind of my only 
concern um, is, you know, Connor McDavid getting, and I, I say this with uh, air quotes, a mere nine points. Uh, obviously, when he's your best player and one of the premier talents in the league, you'd, you'd want a little bit more uh, than nine points out of him. But uh, on any other team, that's that's solid production from any other player. So it really, uh, you know, Cam Talbot was uh, phenomenal throughout this series. He he was another uh, netminder that was really, really good. I think a couple bounces here and there uh, going the Oilers way changed this up. Both games that went into overtime ended up uh, going to the Ducks. Uh, they won the, the game four, four to three in overtime. They won that game five double overtime uh, contest. So I think a, a couple different bounces in those OTs. And we're talking about Edmonton still in this. So uh, things are definitely looking up for the Oilers. Uh, we'll see what kind of changes they make. I, I know, Paul, you and I, for much of the season, talked about them needing some more blue line scoring. So maybe they go out there, try and get somebody. Who knows? Maybe Kevin Shattenkirk's willing to give them a little bit of a discount uh, to go to that team, take a little bit less money than he might on the open market. But uh, you had a guy like that to this team, and they're definitely going to be right in the mix next year. Uh, for the for the Ducks, I, I'm honestly a little bit surprised. Uh, Gibson was a little bit shaky uh, in the in the opening rounds. He settled down a little bit the last couple, although he gave up uh, a, a ton in that seven one shelling. Yeah. Um, but it, you know, it's one game at a time. You lose one. Uh, we saw him get pulled from that other game earlier, and he came back uh, into the mix. And so he's definitely been shaky. So that's a big concern going up against Nashville who has the, the best goaltender. But we'll get into that a little bit more. I do think uh, this was, uh, uh, as you said, uh, on the, the nice edge could have gone either way, a, a coin flip series. So, uh, you know, it'll be it'll be what it'll be for, for Edmonton next year. I think the Ducks are operating on borrowed time, though. I, uh, I think it's going to end pretty quickly for them. Yeah, well, you're teasing the, the next round, I'm sure. <laughs> well, we might be on opposite sides of that one. We'll see how that turns out. But for me, in terms of my Edmonton observations, they have to be thrilled with the emergence of Leon Dreisaitl this season, giving them a 1-2 that reminds local fans of the Gretzky and Messier combination that, uh, that gave them a huge edge in most of the, uh, over most of the teams in the NHL in that era. They're looking for the history to, re- to repeat. But like you said, they need to build around that. They got uh, pretty good performances out of some big men in Patrick Maroon and Milan Lucic, too, which I like. And, and those are my kind of players, too, AJ. Guys that can play the game with some speed and some a lot more skill for, for big men. Uh, when you got that combination, you got something special there. So the, the, the pairings there, uh, the duos that they can offer up front, certainly make this a potent-looking team for years to come. And this was a real good learning experience for this club against a veteran playoff squad like the Anaheim Ducks. But to your point, they, they are coming along with some some pieces on the defensive side of the puck. I like the development and the emergence of Oscar Clefbaum this season. Looks to be the linchpin offensively of this club. Not really a grade A type though and that's why you might link a guy like a Shattenkirk type to this team. They need a player of that ilk to to bolster them and to take them to the next level. I love the performance of Cam Talbot this year. Uh, He really emerged as a a frontline keeper and uh, shed his uh, 
his uh, resume as a career backup in New York. He's a real good goalie, this guy. And, and somebody merits discussion in the top 10 in the league. So they really have something here. And in some circles, they call him the team's MVP this season. So uh, the future looks very, very bright for Edmonton. Now they finally made it back into the postseason. It's been a long time for the Western uh, city there to, to have a, a playoff team that they can be proud of. And they certainly do. And, and the future looks great for them going forward. But uh, the Anaheim Ducks, if they had lost this series, AJ, we'd been talking about uh, a couple of, uh, of older players on this team that maybe let this team down. Corey Perry, for instance, two goals, seven assists, not, not exactly lighting it up. And really, the travel miles that this guy's accumulated in his career, starting to look like they're catching up. They were catching up to him from time to time. But he did come up with a plus seven, so that looks good. And uh, you've got to give kudos to Ryan Kessler for the defensive work that he did in these playoffs, shadowing uh, uh, Connor McDavid the way he did. In fact, they showed a clip last night. It looked like pair skating uh, that was going on in the series. And, <laughs> and they left the ice at exactly the same moment. Uh, they went to the bench and they left the ice uh, in, in, in sequence too. So he was doing everything that he needed to do to, to shadow the Edmonton Oilers' premier player, and he did a fantastic job. But really the highlight for me here was the depth of the Anaheim defense. This is something that they're going to ride this postseason, but they're really up against it in the offseason. So I wonder what, what pieces they're going to retain. But you've got to give credit to Shea Theodore and Brandon Montour, who rose to the front ranks of, of the club in terms of the scoring and the ice time that was distributed. They weren't counting on these guys at the beginning of the season the way that they have had to in this postseason. And you need to get performances like that to go deeper into the playoffs. And so those are two of the guys that have helped them get to uh, the final four. And kudos to them for that. AJ, before we go on into the analysis of the... uh of the next round. We want to give thanks to our sponsors at FanDuel. We can't do a FanDuel uh, effort tonight because there's no games on the schedule till Saturday. And uh, so uh, we're going to shift our focus a little bit to baseball and remind people that listen to this program the wait's over. Baseball is obviously back and we're a month plus into the season, which means FanDuel is back and it's better than ever, folks. FanDuel, where fantasy baseball is there for everyday fans. There's new contests starting every day. No busted seasons. Just pick a contest, choose your team and compete against other fans. New this year, they've upgraded the experience, AJ. There's late swap contests, which is really great for, for a lot of players who uh, would get blown out early and 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 uh, really have no reason to hang on and check the box scores later into the <laughs> evening because you're out of it contention so early. You can edit your players right up to the start time of their individual games, in fact. There's no more worrying about a late lineup scratch or a sudden storm. Non-late swap contests are still available. There's updated scoring where quality starts are added so your pitchers will have more control over their ex- own experience. And in terms of friends mode, they have created a league for your... They have the opportunity to create leagues for your friends. You choose the days you play each week. Contests are set up automatically. And then there's a leaderboard to keep track of how you all stack up against each other. And it's all about the bragging rights at that point. AJ, uh, I know I'm getting more into it now that we have a bit of a form chart uh, a month into the season. Uh, how's that helped you in terms of your FanDuel prep for baseball? Yeah, it's definitely helping a lot. Uh, I think... Uh, you know, it's been it's been helpful to me to kind of get a, a better feel for what's out there, who's who's doing well, who's not. Um, you know, I've, uh, as I've said in the past, I'm, I'm not uh, keen on base baseball as kind of my premier uh, sports. I kind of focus on other things. I will mention one other tool that's really been helping me lately is uh, the Rotowire uh, Optimizer yeah. has added a stacks feature, yeah. uh, so you can help a, pick a team select up to two to four players uh and it will help build a stack for you 
for that night. So uh, cuts down on a little bit of the legwork. If you're not as familiar, uh, you can maybe key in on a pitcher that you think is going to have a rough night um, and go in, build a stack against that team. So that, that stack feature in the optimizer, it's brand new. Uh, but it's been really helpful for me to kind of build my lineups. I, I crept up our, our Rotowire free roll this last week, uh, finished closer to the 20s as opposed to the 40s. So uh, that's a good sign. I'm, I'm hitting my stride, Paul. All right. Well, we'll look for you to be in the winner's circle before too long. I got to find my way back in there, too. It's been a while. But I, too, enjoy the, the FanDuel play on baseball. It's there every day. There's a full slate of games. And what I like about it is, is the, the tools that Rotowire offers. They include also the batter versus pitcher uh, histories. I lean on that when you get significant sample sizes like 40 at bats or 35 at bats between a pitcher and a, and a and a batter, you really, I, I lean on that a little bit. I also lean on what have they done lately, too, in terms of who's hot and who's not. And one final tip that I have is I look for lopsided pitching matchups, like last night, Kenta Maeda against Chad Cool. That screamed a victory for the L.A. Dodgers, and I was all over it, and I received it for 44 points with that. So uh, a, a few tips there and a few thoughts that might help our listeners going forward. Uh, in terms of uh, the, ra- the remainder of this ad, we've got to point out that fantasy baseball is here, and, and FanDuel gives the opportunity to be sports rich, AJ. Sign- signing up today, you go to FanDuel.com slash RW. There's a special offer for new users. Deposit today, and you get a free six-month Rotowire subscription plus five free entries. That's up to $50 in value to try a variety of sports on FanDuel. That's FanDuel.com slash RW. And we remind our listeners, don't forget to check out our daily baseball pods from Monday to Friday. I'm on, Wednesday with jo- on Wednesdays with John McKechnie, where we preview all the daily baseball games in our DFS pods, and we highlight FanDuel's best plays of the day. AJ, there's no games until Friday, so we can't, uh, until Saturday, rather, so we can't do any FanDuel-type plays for games tonight. So let's go ahead and come up with our conference final previews. Let's dive into the one that you're going to be glued to for sure, and I will be looking at this one, too. The only Canadian team remaining is the Ottawa Senators. They face the Pittsburgh Penguins. And may surprise our listeners, these teams only faced each other three times in the regular season. Ottawa took two of these three games, and a couple of them were lopsided scores. One, one big victory for each team. So really not a lot to go on in, in terms of the head-to-head matchup. But uh, we'll begin our analysis be- by between uh, the two, a look at the two goalies so far uh, in these playoffs, been outstanding performers and leaders of their respective clubs, Marc-Andre Fleury and Craig Anderson. Yeah, they, they've both, uh, both guys have been pretty uh, heavily under fire. As I mentioned, Fleury, uh, 423 uh, shots uh, on him, and Craig Anderson faced 370. Uh, just by comparison, uh, you look at Peke Rene, he's only faced 288. So uh, you got some defensive help there for those guys, uh, whereas Marc-Andre Fleury and Craig Anderson have had to take on a, a bigger role uh, and the goals against average between the two is pretty close, but the discrepancy comes in that save percentage. Mark Andre Fleury a point nine two seven, uh, Craig Anderson a point nine one four. So uh, I give the edge to Fleury. I, I think he's uh, really stepped up and and shown what he can do. I think the advantage that the Penguins have now is that if for some reason uh, the flower starts to falter, Matt Murray is back and healthy. And so they could always go to him if, if Flowers starts to struggle. I don't see that happening, but it's an option for them. Uh, you know, if this if Craig Anderson's struggling, yeah, I guess they could go to Mike Condon. He won a lot of games for them during the regular season, but it's not an option I'd be too keen on taking. So uh, I give the edge to Flurry. It'll definitely be close. 
Um, but I, I think the flower's just been too good. He's, he's playing at a, uh, another level and really is the key to why the Penguins made it past Washington. Yeah, I, th- I echo your sentiments there. In terms of the quality of opposition, the Penguins have had the tougher road to hoe to get to where they are right now, I would say. And uh, and really, the Flower has been instrumental. I think he's been their team MVP going forward uh, in these two rounds, uh, to date rather, and uh, gives them a bit of an edge in goal that I agree with you. In terms of players to watch, I'm, I highlighted the fa- off the top, Connor Sheary and, and Jake Gunsel guys that that you would have had uh, trouble identifying in a police lineup they're flanking (laughs) Sidney Crosby and they're both excelling in these playoffs they're they're two of the players to watch for me the big guns are are performing uh, and and I think that's the key to the the Penguins offensively they're getting great mileage out of the likes of of Kessel and Malkin who's leading the league in in playoff scoring of course Sidney Crosby also a big big time factor offensively so they got great name recognition up front uh, the likes of which the Ottawa Senators just can't match in terms of their signature offensive players. So uh, in terms of the forward lines, I think it's a huge advantage to the Pittsburgh Penguins going forward in this series. Yeah, I absolutely, absolutely agree with you there, Paul. Uh, one guy I definitely want our listeners to maybe take a look at for, for their uh, daily lineups is going to be Brian Rust. Um, he, he's not going to score every night. He's got five goals in the 12 games. Um, but he seems to step up for the Penguins in, in situations where they need him. He had a goal in Game 7 last night. Uh, last year, he had two uh, goals in a Game 7 as well. So this is a guy that can really provide um, some bottom six uh, scoring, some depth scoring. And he's, his price tag is not going to be real high on, on FanDuel. So that's, that's a guy I would look to uh, for them, other than obviously the kind of obvious ones, Malkin, Gensel, Crosby, and, and Kessel. Uh, so look to Brian Russ defensively. Yeah, Justin Schultz. Um, but I think his price tags kind of crept up a little too high. I've been avoiding him lately. Um, but as far as winning the series, he'll be, play a huge role, especially with Trevor Daly dealing with that injury. Uh, on the flip side, obviously, Eric Carlson is going to be the key to, to Ottawa. But I, I, I still like a guy like Kyle Terrace. His production has been down a little bit. Uh, he's got just six points in, in the 12 games. But uh, he definitely is capable and, and able to step up. So it'll be interesting to see how that shakes up. But those are just two guys that maybe uh, you could take a look at for, for FanDuel lineups uh, when we get to that point. Yeah, and I think to to uh, accentuate the discrepancy up front, I, I don't know how Kyle Touris is going to fare in this round. I'm, I'm not liking his chances for a great series just because he's going to face Crosby or Malkin a lot of the times, and, and he'll be having to worry about the defensive side of the puck a lot, I think, because those guys are going to be on the ice a heck of a lot of time. Touris is a great offensive player. He's, he's shied away from the scoring sheet, though, a little bit in these playoffs with only six points in, in 12 games. So I'd like to see more offense from him. I just don't know how he's going to deliver. A guy who's picked up a bit of that slack is Derek Broussard with nine points, but that's their top two guys. And, and you know, it's a big disparity when you compare it to the, the, the two guys that are going to be centering the top two units in Pittsburgh. So really a highlight there in terms of the discrepancy up front. The the players to watch for Ottawa, I think, would have to be, for me, Mark Stone, a big physical forward who could should give the, the a, a suspect Penn's defense some big-time trouble. This is a kind of guy that, I, as I said before when I was looking at the Oilers lineup, 
big physical guy with some really good hands. That's the kind of guy that should give a defense like this fits. He's got four goals and two assists in six games. I'd like to see more offensive from him. They're going to need that. And Bobby Ryan's going to have to keep doing what he's doing. Those are two signature wingers that are going to have to be at the forefront for the Ottawa Senators to keep this thing tight. I'm a little concerned about the Penguins' defense. You got to tell me, AJ, how are they doing it? How are how is this nondescript six pack uh, keeping keeping the Penguins uh, in these games? Well, it really comes down to uh, a kind of uh, shared minutes. They're not uh, they're not having too many guys take uh, huge, you know, uh, Chris Letang uh, size numbers on on the ice. They're pretty evenly distributed, and so that's really helping them out. Um, you know, you got to tip the cap to a guy like chad ruweedle who stepped in with with trevor daly out uh he you know his minutes are a little bit less he's only uh, averaging 13 in the two games he's played um but if you look at everybody else's minutes you got dumoulin is the highest defenseman at 21 minutes uh, that's nowhere near what you get out of chris letang during the postseason he'd be up around 28 maybe even 30 in most cases so it's really kind of uh spreading it out and I'll, I'll be honest, uh, the biggest key to how the Pens defense is staying in these games has been Marc-Andre Fleury. Yeah. There have been some pretty bonehead moves by a couple of guys uh, periodically. Last night, a couple times, it seemed like Brian Dumoulin forgot how to skate. Uh, he <laughs> fell down a couple times. Ole Mata had some bad turnovers. And really, uh, Fleury has bailed them out. So uh, he, they're going to need him to continue to do that. If, if they can get Trevor Daly back, I think that'll kind of help stabilize it. I honestly would keep Chad Ruedel in the lineup even when they get daily back. Maybe you sit a guy like Mata for a night to, to maybe get his head on straight. Uh, Ian Cole has been solid for him. Uh, a lot of block shots by the Pens D, too. I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll add that as well. Yeah, AJ, the one, the one cautionary tale that I have with the Penguins is when you look at the recent cup winners, they've always had, they've all had a signature cup, uh, signature defenseman who steps forward and, and really is kind of like Eric Carlson type or, or uh, Drew Doughty type. The Penguins don't have that in their lineup now. That's the only red flag that I see here. But before I give my prediction, I know you're going to pick the Penguins. How many games do you think they're going to let Ottawa hang around? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm going to go with six. Uh, I, I think the, the home home ice advantage will be key uh but i do think ottawa can get a couple here uh but overall go six uh you know maybe they they pick up uh one here or there uh so maybe even five but i'll I'll go six overall for this series i i think they've got uh, the hot goaltender they've got the top talent Uh, as you mentioned the the forward lines don't really pair up well for ottawa uh from defensive scoring they do a lot better uh the senators do than the penguins but those scores, you know, you mentioned Eric Carlson has stepped up his defense, but he struggled in the past. Um, I, I think I would have picked, uh, to be honest with you, either team, whether it was Pittsburgh or Washington, I would have picked either one to get past Ottawa in this series. I just don't see them stacking up um, against either of those teams. Fortunately for me, it's going to be Pittsburgh. So I'll go Pens and six. I'm not sure if you're you're with me or against me on this one, Paul. I'm exactly with you. That's exactly my call, and I didn't want to steal your thunder. So I, <laughs> I kind of go Pens and six. Ottawa is just, I think, overmatched. To your point, you, you said whether it would be Washington or, or Pitt, uh, they would have been favored over Ottawa, and it'll be a, a, a 
big miracle, I think, if Ottawa does take this series. Uh, I do think the only edge they have is on the blue line. It's largely because of Eric Carlson. If he can continue to play superhuman hockey, might even tip the scales in favor of the of the uh, Senators. But I think the Pens game plan is very simple, AJ. Dump the puck into Carlson's corner as much as possible. Make him play a 200-foot game on those wonky on that wonky foot. Uh, if it's as injured as they say, it's got to take its toll. And, uh, I mean, he's been playing Herculean minutes for them. Make him play a, a tougher game and, and lay the body on him as much as you can, too. Uh, because without him being at full tilt, then the next best guy on the blue line is Dion, Dion Phaneuf. And I've seen that act before. He's, <laughs> he's a good player, not a great player. And, and there's a big fall off between him and Carlson and then the rest of that Ottawa blue line. So if they can find a way to negate Carlson, that's one signature player that Ottawa has that really worries me and should worry the Penguins coaching staff. But the Penguins, on the other hand, they have too many offensive weapons, and they've got Marc-Andre Fleury playing at a Conn Smythe trophy-level play uh, for his part, too. So too many pieces for Pittsburgh, uh, too much trouble for Ottawa, I think, in that matchup. And so six games seem reasonable to me. Then uh, we have Anaheim and Nashville. I think this is going to be a very competitive series in the season series. Uh, Preds won two games out of three. The goalie matchup is a compelling one, too. You mentioned both guys, so why don't you run away and uh, give us the preview from your perspective on the two goalies. Yeah, Peke Rene, uh, you know, going up against John Gibson, I, I think this is really a one-sided matchup, to be to be completely honest with you. Uh, Peke Rene's save percentage is .951. John Gibson is a point nine oh eight. The goals against average, Rene one point three seven. John Gibson two point eight oh. And so it's really been kind of a one sided affair. Again, I'll, I'll harken back a little bit to the the shots on goal or the save attempts rather. Uh, Rene's faced two eighty eight, whereas uh, Gibson's faced three oh three. The defense in in Nashville is really stepping up to try and limit the amount of shots that he's seeing. Um, but even when he is, uh, you know, hitting the rubber, uh, he's making big key saves for them. So I, I really think this is a one-sided uh, goalie matchup. Gibson has shown some serious struggles. Rennie's got two shutouts, not to mention three assists now. So he keeps racking up the points in the, the offensive zone as well. So um, I, I really think this one. Uh, is probably going to be what decides this series, uh, in my opinion. Rene's just been too good, uh, and Gibson uh, is just not his equal right now. That's a, that's an a, analysis that I, I completely agree with, and and you got to have the top end goaltending. Uh, look at what Fleury's done in Pittsburgh, a primary example. He outdueled Braden Holtby, which is no uh, easy task, and and Rene has been better than the two guys that he's faced in each of the rounds. You need that top end goaltending to take you far, and that's why these guys are where they are. In terms of uh, players to watch, who are the top guys that you look at for each of the clubs? Uh, some might be surprise elements even. Yeah, I, I think what you really got to look for with Nashville is the continued uh, defensive scoring. I mean, you, you talked about at the top, uh, both, you know, Ryan Ellis, Roman Yossi and PK Subban are all in their top five in scoring. I think the one concern there is that they haven't put up a lot of goals. Now, they haven't needed to yeah. uh, because Rene has been so good. But Ryan Ellis, their leading scorer, which is nine points. Uh, you know, you mentioned Malkin's leading the, the league in points right now. He's got 18. He's got twice as many. And so uh, they haven't needed it. So they're getting by there. Uh, I do think, you know, they're going to look to uh, a guy I really like is going to be Colton Sissons. I think he needs to step up. He's got just six points right now in the first 10. 
Uh, Victor Arvidsson, he's only got five in, in their 10 games. So Sissons and Arvidsson are two guys I think need to step up. And uh, as far as FanDuel goes, they probably should have pretty low uh, salaries. So two guys you could maybe key in on as well um, that I like. Obviously, you know, Paul, you mentioned uh, Ro- uh, Ryan Johansson, Philip Forsberg. Those guys are going to be up there. Uh, they're going to do their job. But definitely look to this defense, too, when you're building those lineups. No, no uh, question about that. Yeah, on the flip side for Anaheim, it's going to be a lot of the the same names you're you're used to seeing that you're going to have to ask to step step up. You know, Ryan Getzlaff, Corey Perry, hopefully can step up for them as well. Jakob Silverberg is a player we've talked about all season long. Yeah. He's got 11 points in 11 games, uh, and so he's definitely doing doing what he can to get them through. I just don't see how they can continue, uh, continue moving on. If they can't get them in on Peke Rene, I think they're going to really struggle. Uh, so I probably will avoid the ducks on most nights, uh, for FanDuel just cause I think Rene has been too good. Uh, just a little bit of my own personal approach for, for these two night slates is maybe avoid some of the Anaheim ducks, but, uh, we'll see how it shakes out. Um, but yeah, those are kind of my key guys. If you're looking for someone, uh, Silverberg, and if Eves comes back as well, if Patrick Eves can get healthy, he's another one that hopefully can add some more scoring for, for Anaheim. Yeah, the only other name that I would add, and I touched on him earlier, is James Neal. I, I think he's one of their uh, go-to snipers who's underperformed so far in these playoffs. But I look at the fact that he's delivering the shots on goal. Uh, he's at the front end of the lineup. Uh, when you look at that total at 28 shots, tied for second on the team with two other guys, one behind Victor Arvidsson. You mentioned him. Those two guys, they need to pre- be productive for for the Preds to uh, take this series and uh, the, you know they're going to get yeoman work from that trio on defense they're the equal of any uh, they're better than any other trio in these playoffs reminding me of uh, what i used to see in terms of write-ups about the montreal canadians way back in the 70s with the big three that they used to put out there this is kind of the next big three that i've seen since then uh, it's been really stacked uh, blue line and uh, suban's got to be loving life uh, in in the music <laughs> city uh, and wondering about montreal fans what they must be thinking about now in that trade Looks like leg up uh, for Nashville in that, in that deal just because of the team success. Uh, certainly, Subban's been really solid, but he hasn't had to be the signature guy there because they've got two other guys carrying the load with him and, and two really great uh, defensemen in Ryan Ellis and Roman Yossi who really have not got their due, uh, I don't think, with, with uh, Subban kind of stealing kind of the headlines there. But two unsung guys. Maybe you wonder if that dampens their price tags in daily fan duel play to see. To, it'll be interesting to see the price tags on those three guys guys and who who gets the top rung but uh for me it's neil and and narvidson are the key uh, to the future success of this team and the rest of the playoffs i think they need to deliver and support that defensive scoring and that solid goaltending that they're getting anaheim for their part uh, Corey perry's the guy that i look at on this team aj uh, i see him slowing down ryan getzlaff has been wonderful in these in these playoffs leading the team in scoring with 15 but perry has been has been a shadow of what i might have expected for the most part and i just think that he's been really banged up over the last couple of seasons and and it's taken a toll on him that i've seen uh, so far in these playoffs they're going to need kessler now to turn into more of an offensive piece uh, he's going to get the assignment on Johansson. We saw how successful he was with McDavid. If he can neutralize uh, the top center on, Col- on uh, Nashville, that's going to go a long way to Anaheim's success in the next round. You mentioned the goaltending has to be elevated. Gibson has to ramp up his game because that's a huge advantage on paper. Uh, Gibson's goals against is up at 2.8 
double what it is for the Nashville goaltender. So that's the biggest advantage right now that that Nashville does have. And uh, I think they're going to exercise that if they continue to play based on the strong defensive style they've shown. Now it's time for predictions, AJ. And tell me, who do you have in this series? Well, if the Predators had home ice advantage in this series, I would pick Nashville in five. They don't, and so I'm picking Nashville in six. Uh, they'll win all four at home, I think, like they have throughout the, the playoffs. They'll get, uh, you know, maybe they, they steal them, but they'll get uh, three and four uh, for sure, and then, um, you know, six and steal one uh, along the way, in, in my opinion. But if they had home ice, I'd pick them in five and just call it a day. Um, but uh, for... For everything that, that we're looking at and everything we've talked about, it'll come down to Peke Rene. If he continues to por- perform well, uh, they'll be in the next round for sure. I'd love to disagree with you, but I can't. Uh, Nashville seems <laughs> to me a team of destiny. The Anaheim Ducks might be breathing a sigh of relief that they finally got past uh, this round and, and uh, after a tough, tough slug-it-out slug affair. But uh, the Preds have done what teams need to do when you do a long playoff run. They've dispatched their opponents pretty quickly. So they're a well-rested team. And that's something that not a lot of people are looking at in these playoffs. But historically, it's the teams that dispatch their opponents early in the first couple of rounds that go farthest. And I'm going to bank on that for Nashville. And I'm taking them in that six games that you suggested, too. I think they've been, uh, they've been dynamic on home ice. And they're fearless on the road. They've managed to get two games in Chicago, which is amazing to me. Uh, I still can't believe they got past the Hawks as quickly as they did. And they just continued to roll in the last round, too. So uh, I I just see more of the same going forward. This is a team of destiny, and I think that they're going to get to the Stanley Cup final in those six games that you mentioned. So love to disagree with you, pal, but I can't. And so we're going to (laughs) see if we're right, uh, Pittsburgh and Nashville in the the final round should be a dynamic series. But we got two. Really, I think they're going to be close closely contested series in in this round so uh, good viewing it's it's better playoffs than, than basketball once again the basketball it's a foregone conclusion it's golden state and cleveland but in hockey we get a bit of a mystery and, and a surprise element to these playoffs every year this year is not an uh, an exception to that rule aj now this brings us to our sign our closing elements the stud and the rant of the week we've been away for two weeks so i prepared a bit of a grab bag of of topics in terms of the stud of the week and we go through those and the same thing on on the rant of the week so why don't we kick it off i i touched on the fact that phil kessel deserves a bit of a nod for the way that he continues to deliver the goods in the role that he is best suited for and that is not necessarily the signature player on a team but a real good closer and and he's really shown that in these playoffs yeah absolutely it it was one uh, thing that I've talked about since since he came over, since they made that trade, you know, in Toronto he was looked to as the go-to guy. That's just not a role that seems to be comfortable for him. Uh, in Pittsburgh, he's probably not even the third uh, look-to guy because it pr- probably slides him down to fourth when Latang's healthy. I mean, yeah. you got Crosby, Malkin, Latang are kind of your core. You add in Flurry, at least for the last ten years, maybe he's you know maybe he's top five kind of look to guys but he produces like a top line player uh when he doesn't have that pressure he's pairing up well with melkin uh, on that second line they look great uh and so i i expect big things to continue from him he's key on the power play uh an essential piece there so yeah a great postseason so far and uh we might be having to change it to phil kessel two-time stanley cup champion in the near future here <laughs> from your lips to god's ears i'm sure for penguins <laughs> fans my friend and i want to also give a nod to the edmonton Oilers fans actually aj 
for singing the U.S. anthem. I wonder if that got coverage in the States when uh, Singer's microphone malfunctioned in that game in Edmonton. The fans took over on his prompt and they sang it flawlessly. It really made me proud as a Canadian hockey fan to, to see that uh, we, we uh, did respect the U.S. Uh, and took right over and sang, uh, the singing of the thing was flawless they, were, they, they picked it up and they sang it as fervently as you might uh, get a home crowd singing any national anthem so I wonder how that played in your neck of the woods but uh, here in, in Canada uh, it was really a chance for the Edmonton fans to take a huge bow and they represented our country very well yeah it definitely got, got talked about a lot um, a huge kudos to all the Edmonton fans there and they really uh, stepped up. That was a great moment to see the the response from both uh, the Anaheim uh, ownership as well. In in response to that, was great. Um, and I, I, it's not something that I think um, U.S. fans could could really repeat. And not for a want of uh, wanting to do that, but I don't know how many people know the words to the Canadian national anthem. Once we get past O Canada, um, <laughs> it gets a little tricky there. There's definitely something in there. I think about True North. Um, and I'm pretty sure I, I think it ends uh, on stand on guard for the uh, but the middle gets a little bit murky. Uh, that might just be me. Maybe other uh, American hockey fans out there could do a lot better, uh, especially maybe the season ticket holders and some of those, uh, you know, U.S. teams who play a lot of Canadian teams. Maybe the Pacific Division, uh, you know, uh, season ticket holders could chip in, you know, that the, the fact they play a few more Canadian teams a little more frequently. But it, uh, that was a great thing to see. It sounds to me like you and a bunch of the American fans must be going to the beer fridge or get some chips while the national anthems are going on. So <laughs> that might be a, a good excuse for not, not knowing the words. But I, I watch enough hockey that I've, I've learned the U.S. anthem over the years because, let's face it, if you watch playoff hockey, there's not too many Canadian teams that advance this far. So you get to hear the U.S. anthem over and over again it's kind of neat that we still have the opportunity to hear the canadian one in the third round of these playoffs so i'm looking forward to that going forward in terms of the rant of the week we touched on alex ovechkin boy is he going to take a hit this offseason and you can lump in kevin shattenkirk in this discussion too we'll throw both names in uh both these guys uh really had a chance to to do something about their images going forward one for contract purposes one for career purposes uh, Ovechkin for his part you got to be looking at him with a bit of a spocky and eye can't get out of that second round AJ and Sidney Crosby has a mastery over this guy in terms of head-to-head uh, competition which is something that's got to make you smile on the inside maybe even on the outside but really going forward he's taken a bit of a hit again in these playoffs relegated to third line duty Barry Trotz was trying to pull every rabbit out of every hat that he could to keep the caps in this series and relegating their signature player to third line minutes and a third line role was a really shocking development for me so that probably is the highlight in terms of the negative side of what I've seen in these playoffs but Kevin Schottenkirk right there behind him uh, a performance in these playoffs that didn't really make me too anxious to see him come to Toronto and sign with the Maple Leafs I'll tell you that for sure. Well, I, I agree. Uh, you know, some of the blame is going to fall on Shattenkirk, but I think at the end of the day, because he was just a rental uh, and the role they tried to use him into as this only power play kind of specialist third line pairing. I mean, they didn't do him any favors by pairing him up with uh, with Brooke, Brooks Orpic for much of the time. Uh, he's definitely lost a step, although still uh, a favored player of mine from his time in Pittsburgh. But um, 
I, I, they didn't do him any favors. I don't think he settled in well for that kind of power play specialist uh, role. He's a guy that's used to big minutes, and now they asked him to take a step back. So I think ultimately uh, there's going to be enough excuses out there. I don't see a lot of this uh, landing at Shattenkirk's feet. He'll still get paid maybe a little bit less uh, than what he would have if he had had a, a dominant postseason. But, yeah, Alexander Ovechkin is going to take the brunt of this, as he has in the past, uh, you know, and – I point not only to to his struggles in in the Stanley Cup playoffs, but really outside of the World Championships, hasn't been able to lead uh, his country uh, to any any sort of success either. Uh, you've got the the recent uh, World Cup of Hockey. Uh, Russia didn't do much there. The Olympics that we've talked you know in the past about his struggles there, especially when they had their home uh, you know home event in in Sochi and, and couldn't really do much there, and so. I do think it speaks a little bit to his leadership, his ability to put a team on his back. Uh, great during the regular season. Uh, and I, I thought maybe we'd see a turnaround this year with, you know, he seemed to take a little bit of a different role than just a pure sniper during the regular season. Um, and I thought maybe it was a change in uh, style of play or, or his game, but it's seeming like it was just a general drop off in general based on what we saw in the postseason. So there's going to be a lot of questions asked to Alexander Ovechkin. Uh, and how they shake up the team heading into next season is definitely going to be uh, one to watch. Now, I also had a note here about the Niskanen hit on Crosby, AJ, something that must have had you up in arms when you saw that. To me, it was a garbage hit, uh, combining with the fact that Alex Ovechkin hit him with a stick just before he collided with Niskanen. That had some intent to it, in my opinion, and I'm shocked that, uh, that it didn't put Crosby in the concussion protocol. And then there was a hit in the last game where, concu- uh, where Crosby went head first <coughs> into the boards too, and he didn't miss a shift. I was shocked at those developments. And, you know, uh, if, if he does pass all the initial testing on the bench, that's great and, and wonderful news. But if it was his decision to say, no, no, don't put me through this, we need to get this game and so on, that's something that really concerns me. And I just, I know, I know we're never going to hear the real truth about how that was handled, but you as a fan must have been so concerned about that whole ass episode. Well, yeah, I'll point out a couple of things there. I actually didn't uh, think the hit by Niskanen was intentional. Um, whether I would call it a hockey play or not, like Barry Trotz did, I don't know that I'd go that far. But uh, I actually put more of the blame on that situation on Alexander Ovechkin uh, for the hit in the head that kind of caused him to, to stumble. Um, you know, he was falling down. Now, are there things maybe Niskanen could have done slightly different to ease the impact? Uh, certainly. But I didn't think it was a dirty play at the time. I, I tweeted that out right away. Um, I was surprised to see him come back after one game. Uh, but on the same note, Connor Sheary also had a concussion. He came back after one game as well. Uh, to the hit you talked about last night, definitely was holding my breath when it happened. Uh, watching the replay really closely, he actually doesn't hit his head on the boards. His, his head hits, uh, I forget which defender it was, but he actually hits the defender that was standing there. And that actually probably saves him a little more give in, in, in somebody's yeah. leg yeah. Uh, than the board. So I think that probably saved him. If his head had gone into the boards on that hit, he probably would be out. And at this point, probably out for the rest of the postseason. So he avoided one there uh, with that. So we'll see. Obviously, you, you bring up a good point about how quickly both him and Shiri were able to get back yeah. uh, with how the concussion protocol is supposed to work. It did seem a little quick to me. Um, but both guys cleared at the same time. So I'm certainly not saying that there was any, um, you know, 
uh, malfeasance there by the by the Pens uh, Good word. training staff. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I, I think they handled it okay. Um, obviously, if if Connor had been held out, but Crosby comes back quicker, you'd be asking a lot more questions. No question, AJ. And so that uh, wraps it up for another episode of Puckcast. We'll be back with you to preview the the final series. So keep an eye out for that. But uh, we give you our best bets for this playoff round. We hope you've enjoyed the show, and uh, thank you for your support all season long to our loyal listeners. You've been listening to Puckcast with Statsman and AJ. Remember to send your comments and questions on Twitter. Follow me, Paul Bruno, at Statsman22, and you can follow AJ at AJScholes24. We ask you to look out for Puckcast Hockey Podcast so you get all the latest news and our tips to stay out of the competition in your fantasy deals. So long, everybody. 